Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Economics Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping young people be successful with money. Join us as we discuss personal finance, financial literacy, investing, the psychology behind being financially fit, and much more. Here's your host, Jerry Dixon. Hello, everyone. Long time no talk. Um, It has been quite a while between podcast episodes. I've been spending a lot of time on the YouTube channel, um, which takes a, a lot of time and effort. <laughs> Let me tell you what, I'm, I'm pretty new to the video side of things and I've neglected the podcast. So I apologize about that. Um, I'm really excited to get into the episode today. A um, little bit of housekeeping. Uh, you know, if you enjoy video, which who doesn't these days, um, and you're on YouTube, if you search millennial economics on YouTube, um, I think we've uploaded, I think I've uploaded, mm, maybe 10 videos, 10 videos plus, and the videos are being, new videos are being uploaded, I would say once to twice a week. Um, So if you head over to YouTube, um, I will put the link to the channel in the description. And if you subscribe, you'll be alerted for the new videos that I post, and it will also show up on your newsfeed, which is pretty cool. So, all right, so part five of our university series that we will be wrapping up here very quickly. Um, Today, we're gonna talk a little bit about investing. Okay, and I, I want to start kind of foundationally. So what is investing? All right. Investing is essentially putting time or money into something with the hopes that it is worth more than what you initially put into it. Okay, so let's take time, right? Because that's something that many of us have. So if you invest 100 hours into a YouTube channel, Maybe you're hoping that those 100 hours or 200 hours or 300 hours will produce money in the future. Maybe you invest in a business, right? So maybe you get a trailer and you uh, get your lawnmower and you invest hours every week to mow people's yards and that turns into money. It turns into a business that is producing money, right? So I think that's a lot of times, you know, some people only think about investing in terms of putting money into something and then hopefully that money turning into something more. However, very, a very common way of investing is investing your time, especially early on when maybe you don't have the extra funds to invest money. Okay. The other side of investing though is money, right? So say we'll take the business idea. Say you invest $5,000 into somebody else's lawn company and you hope that $5,000 maybe turns into a $10,000 return maybe when that business is up and running and and becoming profitable. Um, One of the more common ways that you all are probably familiar with is, you know, maybe you invest money into the stock market. Okay, so you're buying small shares of companies and you're hoping that these companies become more valuable over time and your initial investment increases over the months, years, and decades to come. Okay, so really it's putting time or money, it's putting something into something right? Whether it's purchasing or you're putting time into something and you're hoping that that turns into something greater down the road. All right. So now that we understand what investing is, we need to understand why we should invest, right? Um, There has to be a reason behind what we're doing and it has to be a pretty worthwhile reason because dedicating time and money into things um, is, is, can be scary. It takes a lot of research, right? It can be risky as well. So you need to be well-versed and you need to have a good understanding of why. Why should we invest? And I'm not going to get too much into the goals thing here. Um, Goals do play a part, though. 
right? So what are your goals? What do you hope to be? Where do you hope to be? What do you hope to be accomplishing in the months and years to come? right? That's going to be the driver behind all of the effort that you're putting into your investing. And when I say all the effort, I want to make sure I'm being clear is investing does not have to be complicated, does not have to be hard. Okay. It can be very simple and produce great returns. However, there needs to be a why because, you know, socking away hundreds or thousands of dollars, maybe every month into something in hopes that that money will turn into something greater can be scary and there can be risk involved. There always is risk involved when it comes to investments. Okay, and I'll add that caveat too before we talk about why we should invest. If, if we'll say this, investing, whether it's time or money, always has a risk of not, not panning out well. Okay, maybe you invest your time into that lawn business and you, know, you realize that really at the end of the day, you didn't make very much money or you, didn't, you weren't able to get any customers with all that work you put in. Or maybe you invest into a stock that just doesn't perform well. You, know, you buy it at $100 and in two years, it's only worth 80 or zero, depending on how risky that investment is. And again, we're going to get into a little bit. I'm not, I never recommend specific investments, but I will share kind of what I do. And you can learn from that if you please. Um, I am very much into well-diversified, you know, lower risk type of investments that maybe don't have a, a huge potential for a lot of money very quickly, but that's tried and true. That's well diversified in case the market does some crazy things, right? I, I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to what I do with my money. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, all right. So the number one reason why we should invest is because of inflation. Okay. And that's been a hot topic here over the past few months. Um, there were just numbers released that inflation is at seven and a half percent, an astronomically high number. <laughs> right? Um, year over year, the average rate of inflation is between, I believe, 2 and 3%. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means that goods and services that you're purchasing every month, every day, maybe, whether it be groceries or gas or homes or cars or anything, anything that we need to have to, to have a life, <laughs> okay? Um, inflation means those goods, goods and services are increasing in cost every year, all right. So what does that mean for your money? Well, it means that your money is becoming less valuable every year as well. Right. One dollar back in 1940 would buy a whole lot more than one dollar buys now. I feel like one dollar nowadays doesn't buy anything. <laughs> right. So if that person back in the 40s was to sock away that one dollar in a savings account that wasn't earning them any interest, they would hardly be able to buy anything here in 2022. All right. Because their dollars are becoming less valuable. Um, I was actually just recently talking to a group of friends and, you know, they weren't too, too well-versed in investing. Um, and a lot of them were keeping um, money in savings accounts. And while that's great, it's safe, right? And I think that's a lot of times what we default to because that's what we were taught growing up, save your money. Very few of us were taught to invest our money or how to invest our money. Um, but one thing we talked about is, hey, you know, that's great that you're saving. That's awesome. That's, you're ahead of the curve for sure. Um, however, your money is becoming less valuable every year that you keep that money in that savings account. Okay. So we want to make sure with our investments that we're outpacing inflation. We don't want our money to become less valuable. We want the $1 that we invest today to become more valuable over time and outpace that 3% on average rate of inflation every year. Okay. And we're in strange times, right? Seven and a half percent inflation is, is astronomically high. Um, however, year over year, again, the average has been about 3%. Okay, so the number one reason why we should invest is because of inflation. Number two, it's because of compound interest and how powerful compound interest can be. All right, and a brief definition of what compound interest is, it's, it's interest 
you earn on interest you've earned in the past. Okay, so say this year you invest $100 and you earn 3%, right? So then at the end of the year, you have $103. Well, next year, you're not going to just earn another 3% on that initial $100 that you invested. You're going to earn interest on $103, okay? And so then the following year, whatever that turns out to be, $104 and I don't know, something some odd sense. Right. And then the following year, you're not going to make 3% on $100. You're going to make it on that $104. Right. So you can see how the snowballs. Compound interest is a phenomenal thing for us as investors. When you keep your money in the market and you let it build that way, it's not a gradual growth, it's an exponential growth. Okay. And I'm going to give you an example. So let's just say we have, we're in our example, we have a 20 year old. All right. And they have $0 invested. And they start investing $500 every month. And they invest that $500 a month for 40 years, okay, or until they're 60 and they want to retire, all right? And their estimated interest rate of return every year is 7%. Where we come up with 7% is that the stock market on average, the S&P 500 on average, has returned between 7 to 10% every year, all right? So I like to err on the side of caution, err that low number, use that low number um, of 7%, okay? In 40 years when they retire, they would have $1,197,810 simply from investing $500 every month. <clears throat> now, we want to take a look at what, how, much, how much dollars did they actually invest and how much of that $1.1 or almost $1.2 million is just due to compound interest and the growth of what they invested, okay? So in this example... When they're 60, they will have invested, of their actual money, they will have invested $240,000. That $240,000 over that time will have turned into that almost $1.2 million, all right? So this is a pretty awesome investment, in my, in my uh, opinion, and I'm assuming in your opinion as well. And, you know, if you grew up anything like me, you know, I did certainly did not grow up with anybody that I knew that had a $1.2 million dollars. Um, invested or in an account somewhere, right? So this is truly something that you can do that maybe nobody in your family has ever done um, or maybe anybody that you know has ever done and it can be really, really powerful. It can be really, really powerful and it doesn't have to be complicated and we're gonna get into that in just a little bit, okay? All right, so um, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors and then we're gonna get into what do I invest in. Hello, kind people, podcasters. I don't know if that's a word or not, but we are rolling with it. I wanted to tell you a little bit about acorns today. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know my passion for acorns is strong um, because I truly believe it's a great platform and I use it personally. Um, so I can tell you over the past four years, Acorns has been an incredible asset to me and my investing. It's where I learned about investing and dividends and compound interest. Um, and again, I still use it to this day. Um, it is a platform that is absolutely fantastic, fantastic for people that are new to investing. Again, I'm not new to investing, somewhat new. I still use it, but for those of you who are looking to start investing or are looking for an easy platform to start investing, I can't recommend Acorns enough. It has two great features among many, um, but I'll just touch on a few here, the two that I particularly use. Number one is the Roundup feature. So when you open your Acorns account, you can actually link one of your cards, credit card or debit card, to the account 
Acorns will round up each transaction that you make with that card and invest the spare change into your investment account there with Acorns. How cool is that? If you're looking to do something that's automated, that's gonna force you to invest every time you spend your money, this is a great feature. I have used it, um, it's, it's phenomenal. The second feature, which I use far more, is just the recurring investments. You can set a specific dollar amount and a specific day of the week or a specific day of the month or time of the month to automatically invest money. If you listen to the previous podcast and you listen to my story about um, how I started investing, or not my previous podcast, but one of my podcasts before, about how I started investing. I downloaded Acorns and I started investing $5 every Friday. And it wasn't a lot, but over the months and months, and me even forgetting that money was going in there, I learned about compound interest and I learned about what dividends were. So you can start off small and now I use that same recurring feature just with a little bit more money, but I do it every week. Um, So if you're interested in Acorns um, and the many services that they provide, Um, So not only roundups, not only recurring investments, but um, retirement accounts and accounts for your kids, um, tons of things. Um, I I can't recommend Acorns enough. There is a link down in the show notes. If you use that link, my referral link, you're going to get $5 added to your account um, at no charge to you. No charge. You don't have to even put any money into that account to access that $5. It's absolutely free money. So if you are interested in that and learning more about Acorns and trying it out for yourself, go to the show notes, click on the link, and you will get $5 added to your account. Um, That is all that I'll talk about this, but you'll probably hear me talk about it more in the show. Um, But here is back to the episode. All right, and we are back. Okay, so what do I invest in? Well, like I mentioned, I like to keep my investing very easy and simple into well-diversified accounts. And what I mean by diversified is, you know, I don't especially like to invest in heavily into individual stocks for companies or heavily into individual, you know, cryptocurrencies, right? I like to invest in a wide range of things so that if one of those companies has a bad quarter or a bad year, I don't take a big hit because I'm well-diversified. Conversely, if one of those companies has a great year, I don't see um, a huge uptick in what my investment is or a huge gain, it's pretty steady eddy, (laughs) as I would say, because I'm well diversified, right? Um, There are some individual things that I invest in. We'll get into that in just a second. But the lion's share of what I invest every month is between, are between two things, index funds and ETFs and mutual funds. Okay. We'll start with mutual funds. Um, I invest in mutual funds through my employer's 401k. All right. So my employer gives me the ability to choose from a wide range of mutual funds. Um, Some are more conservative, some are more aggressive. I'm not going to get too far into that. Um, But I uh, invest into a mutual fund there with my um, with my employer. It's through a company that actively manages this mutual fund. The fees are a little bit higher. Again, we're not going to get too far into fees because we could talk for hours and hours about it. Um, One thing to note is that the things that you are investing in, you do want to keep those fees low. Okay, even a 1% fee on the thing that you're investing in. And this fee is basically money that the company that maybe created or manages the mutual fund makes, right? It's how they stay afloat. These fees can have a dramatic effect, a dramatic effect on the gains. In fact, we'll go over, let me tab over here. So for our example that we just talked about for that individual that invested for 40 years, um, with a 7% 
annual return, they got that 1.2 million mark in that 40 years, okay? If we decrease that to 6%, they come out with $928,000, all right? So a 1% fee on your investments over the course of a long time can relate to literally $300,000 in this case, in this case study, can literally relate to $300,000 you're missing out on because of compound interest. Okay, that's how powerful fees can be or detrimental fees can be on your long-term investing, all right? So when it comes to these mutual funds, uh, my employer does have an employer match, all right? So I take advantage of this, even though the fees are there, because of that employer match, all right? It does make it worth it. Um, again, mutual funds are typically actively managed, which means that a a person or a group of people or a company are taking a look at these, you know, portfolios of investments filled with stocks of various companies and bonds. Um, they're taking a look at this and making sure that it's performing um, every, every month and every year, right? And now you would think that these actively managed accounts would perform better than passively managed accounts, which basically means, you know, somebody, a passively managed account is something that somebody creates or a company creates and then they just kind of set it and forget it right? You would think that these actively managed accounts perform better every year. However, that's not true. Um, the data shows that. And we'll talk about that here in just a bit. All right. So um, I invest in mutual funds through my employer because that's the option available to me. Even though the fees are high, I still do it because my employer matches part of what I invest in that account. It's also pre-tax through my 401k, um, which is advantageous for me, right? The money that I'm putting in there is before tax, before I pay anything, which basically makes my investing power into that account a little bit stronger because I don't have to pay tax and then invest, all right? On the flip side of that, I also have a Roth IRA, which is an account that you invest in post-tax, all right, post-tax dollars, um, and you do not get taxed on that money when you take it out. All right, it is a retirement account, so I will be penalized if I take any money out of it before the age, I believe, 59 and a half. However, it's growing tax-free, all right, and that's very advantageous. The 401k is growing, um, I'm investing in it pre-tax, but when I do take that money out at the age of 59 and a half, I do get taxed on that money, all right? And we're not going to get into the pros and cons of, of pre-tax versus post-tax. Um, that's something that we can talk about on another episode. But just know um, I'm investing a lot of money into a 401k and also uh, money into a Roth IRA every year, okay? The, what, what the Roth IRA is built of is those passively managed index funds and ETFs, and I'm going to explain a little bit about what those are here in a second, okay? Outside of that, I invest into an individual brokerage account. So it's not a retirement account. It's just an individual brokerage account that I can put money in and take money out without penalty whenever I want. All right. I do get taxed in this individual brokerage account on my gains. Okay. So that's always something to remember. You're going to be taxed. Um, and there's a couple different ways. You know, you could be taxed as regular income on those gains that you take out. Um, or if you hold it a little bit longer, they call it long-term capital gains and you get taxed a little bit less. And I can't remember exactly what that time period is that you have to have that hold those investments. I want to say it's a year or two, um, but you get taxed a little bit less. However, um, in the, those my taxable brokerage account that's outside of my retirement accounts, um, I invest into index funds and ETFs, the majority of which follow the S&P 500. Okay. So basically, I'm saying, all right, I want a piece of a little bit of a bunch of different companies. And the S&P 500 are the largest 
the 500 largest U.S. based companies. All right. So it's the Apples and the Googles and the I mean, I look just a little bit ago. Costco is on there and Amazon is on there. And I think Facebook or Meta is on there. Um, it's, it's the 500 largest U.S.-based companies, right? So essentially when I buy an index fund or ETF, I'm saying I want a little piece of all of those companies. And again, it's well diversified, right? Um, and to reiterate and kind of go back to our example, the S&P 500 has an annual average rate of return between 7 and 10%. Now, this is an average. This does not mean that every year you are guaranteed 7 to 10% interest on your money. Some years it might be 20%. Some years it might be, you know, you might get negative 10%. Some years it might be that 7%. Some years it might be 12%, right? On average, it is 7 to 10%. And that is looking from about 1954 up until today, right? So we have a pretty big sample size on the performance of the S&P 500. I also did some research, and I, be I don't believe there was a 10-year period ever in the S&P 500 that had a negative return. All right, so what does this tell me? Well, this is the account that I am holding long-term, right? I'm gonna hold this, these investments, whether it's in my mutual fund or in my regular brokerage account, I'm gonna hold these for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, really until I retire, I wanna dabble into it, okay? So what it tells me is if I hold it that long, history tells me there's a pretty good chance I'm not gonna see at least a negative return. Um, history tells me I'm gonna see that seven to 10%, all right? Um, so I invest in a private brokerage and a taxable account into those index funds and ETFs that mimic or that, that um, are following the companies in the S&P 500 as a whole. I also do a little bit of investing into index funds and ETFs that follow companies that produce dividends. All right, what are dividends? Well, dividends are every quarter, sometimes biannually, sometimes annually, a company will disperse some of their profits to their shareholders in dividends, okay? The, average, or the most common is, is these dividend payouts to be once a quarter. And they might say, okay, I'm going to pay you out, you know, anywhere between maybe 1% to 3% of the, you know, stock price that you bought in at. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you 1% to 3% of that um, in dividends, in a payout. The great thing about dividend-paying companies is that they're usually, typically, and again, this is not a blanket statement, but typically they are more stable, right? So Coca-Cola is a dividend-paying company. Um, they've been very stable for a long time, and they pay out dividends every quarter. So I invest partly a smaller portion into these dividend index funds that follow a bunch of companies that pay dividends, all right? Well, why do I do that? Why wouldn't I just invest everything into um, just the S&P 500 as a whole? Well, I like the stability of dividend-paying companies. I also like that I get to see those dividends every quarter. Um, usually the stock price, the appreciation of those stocks are a little bit slower than some of the other companies in the S&P 500, but I like it because they are stable, all right? And again, I'm giving you a, a bird's eye view of what I'm doing. I'm not giving you, you know, I'm not getting too far into the weeds with this because honestly, you know, talking about dividends or talking about index funds and ETFs, that could be an episode in and of itself. If you're interested in learning more about index funds and ETFs, I have done previous episodes on the podcast that talk about that. So I'd highly encourage you to take a look at the, at the library. <laughs> there are 84 episodes deep. There's lots for you to look at and um, find some ones where I'm talking about um, index funds and ETFs in more detail. Okay. And then lastly, what do I invest in? Um, I invest a small portion of my monthly margin into cryptocurrency. All right, very, very small. It might be $50 or less every month. I'm, I'm investing into cryptocurrency. The lion's share of that being, um, the lion's share of that being with 
Bitcoin into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Excuse me. All right. Um, and to give you a breakdown, I like I like um, having guardrails around what I do. And so, you know, with my monthly margin or with all the money after I pay all my bills and after I allocate kind of fun money or, you know, whatever, all my the margin after all of those expenses every month, I break down this way. 65% and this is excuse me. This is after I invest in my 401k and my Roth IRA. All right, because those investments kind of just come out of my check automatically. I don't ever calculate it. I set it and forget it. Okay, so after all of that, my monthly margin, here's how I invest it. 65% of it, I invest into that taxable brokerage account into those index funds and ETFs that follow the S&P 500. Okay, those highly diversified, those highly diversified investments. 30% I invest into those index funds and ETFs that follow those dividend paying companies. Okay. And 5% I invest into cryptocurrency. And I just started dabbling into NFTs, but that's probably, I mean, it's less than, that's less than 1% um, that I'm investing there. It's just kind of one-offs. All right. So 65% in the taxable brokers that follows the S&P 500 um, with those index funds, 30% into index funds that are following those dividend paying companies and 5% into cryptocurrency. All right. And your head might be spinning, especially if you're new to investing. However, when you have these things in place and it's not difficult, it is not difficult. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the platforms here in a second about what I use, like what services or what companies I invest with these platforms on how I'm doing it. I'll talk to you about what I use. Um, but when you have these guardrails, it's very easy. You know, when I'm doing my bills twice a, twice a month, I literally can just pay my bills, see what my monthly margin is, what's left over, 65% here, 30% here, 5% here, call it a day, on with my day. All right, it does not have to be easy. And again, it's, these accounts are not something that I am having to look at every day and sell some here because the market's up and buy some here because the market's down and I am not a day trader. <laughs> I set it and forget it around these guardrails. Okay. All right. So let's talk about how I invest. All right. So we talked about what I invest in. Let's talk about the platforms that I use to invest. Um, one of them, if you're, if you've been around even for a month around the podcast or the YouTube channel is Acorns. I am a huge fan of Acorns. Um, you heard about it here just earlier in the podcast. I think it's a fantastic way to start. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but if you're a beginner or a seasoned investor and you want something easy, um, to get started with or to, you know, you know, you want something easy to throw your money into where you don't have to think about it. And the platform is easy to use, easy peasy. I would highly encourage you to check out Acorns. Once again, you heard about it before in my little ad, but if you use the link in the show notes, you get $5 for absolutely free for opening your account and I get a little kickback as well. Okay. Um, that is the account or that's the platform, I should say, where I invest into those index funds and ETFs that follow the S&P 500. All right. Next, M1 Finance. M1 Finance, a little bit more complicated. Um, I would say it's not for the super, super new investors. It's more for the intermediate to advanced level investors. Um, but this is where I invest into the dividend producing companies, right? Those index funds and ETFs that are following those dividend producing companies. Um, with M1 Finance, you essentially create a pie or you create a little portfolio of what you want to invest in and you can allocate what percentages of each thing you want to invest in inside of that pie, right? So say I wanted 50% invested into this stock or ETF or index fund, and I want the other 50% of this portfolio to be into another one, 
right? Every time I throw money into my M1 finance account, it automatically invests it and divvies up the money as I have set, okay? There's also pre-built portfolios or pre-built pies that you can choose from, um, and they vary depending on kind of what your goals are and what you like. All right, so I've been using M1 Finance for a couple years. I really like it because it has something called dividend reinvesting. What this means is, is when I get a dividend payout from a company, it automatically reinvests that right back into those companies to buy more of those shares, more of those stocks, right? So again, that compounding effect, I'm earning money, then I'm buying more. I'm earning money, then I'm buying more. And that's where it becomes really powerful. Um, M1 Finance does a great job of that. Acorns also does as well, okay? Um, when it comes to Acorns, you can only pick from pre-built portfolios. When it comes to M1 Finance, you can build those portfolios as you see fit. So if you wanted all individual stocks, you could do that. Um, I don't invest that way, so I don't choose to do it that way. Okay. There is a link in the show notes for M1 Finance. If that is interesting to you, um, you will get, th if you use my referral link, you'll get $30 added to your account when you fund it with, I believe, $100, um, and I'll get a little kickback on that as well. And then lastly, for my cryptocurrency, I use Coinbase. You all are probably very familiar with Coinbase. Um, I have found it to be very easy to use. Um, you just buy cryptocurrencies individually on there. It's very simple. I'm not going to get too much into that. Um, if you're a brand new investor, I probably, honestly, you know, I'll say it this way. I, when I was new to investing, did not ever invest in cryptocurrency. Um, I dabble in it now because I've had a lot of time to do a lot of research. Um, but again, it's, it's literally 5% of the monthly margin that I have I'm throwing at crypto. It's not much money at all. Um, if you use the referral link in the show notes, um, you will get $10 of Bitcoin when you open your Coinbase account and fund it. Okay, so a kind of cool deal there, and I get a little kickback. So... We're about 30 minutes into the episode. I don't want to take much more time. Um, I threw a lot of information at you on this episode, but I want you to remember that investing does not have to be complicated. You know, if you're new, maybe you sign up for Acorns and you try throwing $5 every Friday at it, right? And just see, see how you like it, kind of get a taste. Uh, maybe you start listening to more of the podcast episodes and you start, um, you know, watching some of the YouTube videos that I'm producing and you just get familiar over the course of the years. You know, I did not start out doing all of this. I started out investing $5 literally every Friday just in my Acorns account and I did nothing else. And I did that for over a year. I did that for over a year. And as I learned more and I read books and listened to podcasts and watched videos, I kind of, um, I added pieces to the puzzle of how I, how I, how I thought that would be a good route, I guess, to achieve some of my financial goals. Um, some people, you might have an Acorns account and you have it for 20 years and that's all you do. And that's great. That's wonderful. Um, again, you're, you're hopefully going to be outpacing inflation and successful investors don't have to be complicated investors. That's one important thing to remember. So thank you so much for tuning in to episode 84 of the Millennial Economics Podcast, part five of our university series on investing. And I hope to hear from you. I should say I will talk to you very soon.